Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. No, Johnny, is not an uh, absurd amount of money. It's a reasonable amount of money. How much? 25 quid, actually, I think. Something like that. Pretty good, isn't it? Mm, I would you... say that's more on the cheap. Oh, good, cheap. Um... Yes, I, I, if I get my words out, I think I can't remember. It was on sale, like like a fifty percent off or something, maybe even more uh, out of the Nike store. But it isn't obviously an actual jersey. It is just a Nike uh, training top type thing with obviously Jordan Nike Air branded. However, I do understand like a Chicago Bulls actual jersey or something similar, which I have looked at many times to try and buy. Uh, does go for quite a a reasonable amount of cash like into the hundreds i think that's ridiculous scandalous yeah. yeah and obviously and i and i want a genuine a genuine i want a genuine like jordan one as well which is then like 200 250 to get one because obviously it's retro i looked again like a american football jersey before but it's like a hundred odd quid as a guy you know a t-shirt mad, mad isn't it yeah unnecessary do you know so i bought my first football shirt this year jonathan was it mine did one what? Is it a Man United one? No, it was not a Man United one. <laughs> How fucking dare you? Can no, I? no. Uh, when I say first football shirt as well, obviously I don't mean first first. I mean my first one probably for the best part of Three years. F- 15 years, I reckon. So quite quite a few years. Uh, I, or foods? Home. Home shirt. And I only really bought it to celebrate our obviously tremendous achievement of last campaign. I thought I might as well mark the occasion of our first Premier League winners medal. How much is it? I th- I can't remember how much. I think it was either. I think mine was ninety six quid or something like that. I know something like that. If if I'd have chosen, so I went for a Bobby Firmino, um, home shirt with both Premier League winners badges on and World Champions badge on the front. And I only really want those badges because, as I say, I bought it to not really wear it. It's more a more commemorative type thing. Uh, and I, in the Bobby Firmino lettering on the back, I chose Liverpool's... Uh, I think it was Liverpool... I don't know how you describe it, but basically it's not the Premier League writing in numbers. It's like slightly different font and it's either Liverpool's own font or it's like Nike's own font or something like that. And not because it was cheaper, but it was cheaper. So basically if I'd have gone Premier League font, it would have been 103 quid, I believe. Which is madness. I don't really understand the world champion thing because if you've won, if you're European champions, you are definitely world champions. Because no other league is even in the fucking same stratosphere. No, I know. No. Well, I, I, I get that. I do get that because it's kind of like you would, if if you follow football and you understand that European clubs are generally the best clubs in the world, um, mm. that then should therefore mean that the winner of the Champions League should probably be the best in the world because they should go on and win the World Club Championship, which is obviously what we did. But it's actually surprisingly, I think, rare. How Not rare, but I don't think it actually happens that often. Probably doesn't. No. It was one that, like, their, their leagues, and they go and bottle it at that league because yeah. you play Mexican teams, and you know what I mean? Uh, we... <laughs> Do you know what's really embarrassing? That I can't even think who we played in the final now. I was just ecstatic when Bobby Firmino scored an extra time running around going, because to be honest, I didn't really fucking care because no one really cares. Um, however, it is nice to be say, to obviously kind of be able to say that you are the world's best team for, you know, a year or whatever. That's true. Even if it, even if it isn't, you know, it's like, so when people claim the Charity Shield or Community Shield as a trophy, you're a bit like, mm, come on. Like when Arsenal, when Arsenal beat us at the start of the season on penalties or whatever it was, like, I ain't really that bothered, mate. And all the Arsenal fans are running around like it's the best, like they've literally just won the Premier League. You're like, mm, come on. Like, they don't win anything as well. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And it's, it's not like I didn't want to win because I did want to win. And obviously I was gutted to lose and I would be saying obviously it's disappointing. But let's be honest, I am going to put a bit of perspective on it and think mm, it is just a invitation trophy, which is, okay, you've got to win something like a Premier League or a cup to get into it. But still, you kind of think it's not really the be all end all and not something that I want to run around celebrating like I've just won the, the world's best thing in, ever. It's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? Mm. I watched the, I watched the final as well. Liverpool Spurs. Liverpool Spurs. Spurs. Oh, Champions League. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, do you know where I was on that final? I was sitting on the on a table at a Mac Nutrition conference that I'd paid like a good substantial amount of money for, and obviously on the same day that it happened to then be the Champions League final, which obviously when I paid for it, I wasn't aware that we were even in the final. So, yeah, I was in Centre Parks in France. I did watch it. I, I, I spent the first half in the bar with Dan Meek and uh, Mike Harrison and who else was there? Might have just been us three, actually. Oh, uh, at the time, who wasn't um, a coach on the Bicycle Banter, but Jojo, she was there. So I think she was just Mike's client at the time. Uh, you are? She moved to Dubai. Mike has. Mike. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I'll be honest, why don't we all do it? Or, you know, online coach, like you've got potential freedom, six figure well, freedom. You are that, yeah. You could, can you? But yeah. obviously, we've got actual jobs, so it's not probably not that easy, and a family to take out there. But uh, I suppose if you could do your if you could do your job mostly from home, and you may have to meet clients every so often, why can't we just fly back over? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's quite a long flight though. I don't know. Fast Dubai, five six hours. Uh, about six or seven. From memory, depending upon which way you're going, east, west, west, east, so the uh, slipstreams, etc. Or I don't know if that's the right term, slipstream, windstream. I don't know. By the way, I am recording. Don't know if you know this. Um, so, yes, I went. To, when did I last go to Dubai? 2016, perhaps. Been. It was good. I I did very much enjoy it. I won't lie. Um, I did have the most expensive burger I ever had there. I had uh, a burger on what was the restaurant called? A restaurant on the Palm. Can't remember what it was called. Uh, and it was something like ninety, hundred quid or something for one burger. Well, for a meal, for a burger and for chips. Meal for two, you mean? <laughs> or one single meal, or a meal yeah. for two? Yeah, no, a single meal. So obviously, one single meal, a hundred, hundred what quid? Yeah, around something like ninety quid, I think, a for the meal. Yeah. <sighs> You've got to see some value in that. Was it worth it? No, absolutely not. It was a very normal, average restaurant burger. Like, no. basically, it's it's the type of burger you would get in a restaurant that doesn't specialise in burgers, but it's still all right. You know, it's not a shit burger, but it was kind of like your average burger. Like, I, I don't mind paying for stuff if it's good quality. It's like, I don't understand, I don't know, odd niche places that are loads of money, but I just shit like well, Casper's is crap yeah and it's, for the money you're paying it's like you're paying for a main meal but it's crap it's like it's not special it's rubbish it's just junky American crap basically the, oh yeah it's amazing man. You're, you're, you're paying for the experience let's be honest in somewhere like Dubai sitting on the palm um, oh, yeah. or, albeit I was indoors I wouldn't know I was on the palm from inside the restaurant it could have been anywhere well you just sort your attitude well <laughs> I must. I, I will say. I mean, obviously, we knew it was going to be expensive, um, and once I got there, I did have the attitude. You know what? Never going to do this again. So just order what you like. You know, don't worry about how much things cost. Because what I ordered, the burger was probably the cheapest thing on the menu by a reasonable way. Like if I'd ordered a steak, or I think Jenna was going to order ribs at some point, and I think they were like I don't know, 150 quid or something. Yeah, you're not having them, lads. <laughs> oh, Johnny, you savage. Uh, and it, yeah, I, I just like did not order. And I think in the end, actually, from memory, I think she did also order a burger because she was like, actually, I was quite fancy. So that ended up not being too bad. Um, but, you know, it's the experience. It's being on in the. I want to do two place. things in terms of hotel. I want to go and stay in that um, Burj Al Arab. Yeah. When there. Yeah. And I want to. This is like a menu as we have a lot of saving. And a lot of things going right. Is staying that the Atlantis, whatever it is, I can't remember what it is, under it, but there's a there's a room underneath the giant fish tank. Yeah, yeah. The, and that's astronomical money because I don't really have really looked at it. The Burj Al Arab is actually like it's a sort of hotel that looks like obviously it's it's infamous or it's got this obviously prestigious reputation like the, you know i don't know was it like the first ever six star hotel or something like that i don't know if that's even really possible whether that's kind of self-proclaimed but either way but have you ever seen there was a documentary on a few years back on channel four where they showed you how it's ran and like no. the, the maintenance and basically the the kind of like the inside of it all and stuff and to be honest it looks dated as 
as fuck. Yeah, yeah it looked really like kind of old fashioned and dated. And you're like, Ugh. although it's kind of sort of thing. I think they were showing this guy who's employed purely to gold leaf all of the things he like works with all they like wrap everything in gold leaf like all the fixtures and fittings and rooms and stuff and basically what he does is that's how expensive it is and he just like wraps everything in kind of gold leaf and then obviously by the time he's kind of worked his way through the hotel then you kind of have to just start again and that's just his full-time job just going around because obviously it like wears out or it wears away and tarnishes so he has to then like go and wrap everything again and that's his job going through wrapping everything in gold leaf and you do think to yourself it's the extravagance i guess and obviously the people with these sort of money are just paying for this extravagance and experience but there is no value really there. Like the, no one's really oh, getting value out of that sort of stuff. It's, it's like the, the, those sort of places. Ne- they are, they'll never change it because they've always got money. No matter what the economy is doing, there's always money there. Yeah, yeah. there's always money will go there because billionaires stay billionaires, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, you know, hugely built on oil. And obviously, interesting with how the renewable energies are obviously going to have to be a thing in the future to help combat climate change and the like so obviously the far east and their wealth surely at some point is going to be affected by it all but it, going back to the hotel Burj Al Arab I wouldn't even say it's that impressive even from the outside albeit unless you pay to do something to kind of go near it or in it as in you have to kind of like pay for afternoon tea or something otherwise you can't really get near it it's like gated off from the street or you can't really get on the private beach obviously and it doesn't look that good from a distance we no, well we got we got on one of the um tram type things like a tram that takes you as close as you can and then i'm not even joking we must have walked for an hour in like the baking 45 degree heat to try and then get and we can sit in a distance it's like one of these things we had the same experience in paris where you're like oh it don't look that far away you can sit in distance and you walk in and you're like mm, you really feel like going any closer and then you're walking yeah. like another half an hour you're like that's still miles away, actually. Like, it doesn't seem we've got any closer. And I'll be honest, we, me and Jenna both looked at us and said, we just wish we'd got a fucking taxi. But we just it didn't seem that far. We, I would just walk that. You know, my walking isn't that far. So by the time we got there, we were like, oh, right, we need to get a taxi and get home. <laughs> I'll go get a drink. This is cool. Let's not bother even looking there. Yeah, that, cool. that, that was a bit like that. So, um, But I must say, I love Dubai. Jealous of Mike. Um, if, you, if anyone hasn't seen, so if, uh, Mike Bicep Banter on Instagram go check out his stories because he's often just kind of picturing stuff from his apartment which is in like some massive high rise looking over across uh, JBR like Jamara Beach Resort and uh, all over the marina side and stuff and it's fucking cool that is the perks of um, online coaching and having a, having a good brand so he's probably got a constant list of people who worked in yeah, well, obviously there's this fucking cliche of the six-figure fit pro working from a beach with his laptop and stuff. And obviously there is, Mike, that as we, what Mike's done is a bit that way now, I guess, in this bit cliche because he's moved off somewhere abroad, hot and whatever. And I, I, he obviously hasn't picked somewhere like a lot of people do where they go to like Thailand or wherever where it's really cheap to live. So actually, you, you know, you don't have to earn huge amounts of money to live pretty well out in, in a lot of these places. Dubai is obviously pretty expensive to live. Although... Depends what you do. They're obviously, hotels and stuff are expensive, but actually, there's a lot of off the beaten path type places which are really cheap, which I found when I was there. Like, I was eating in kind of smaller, like more local places, which is a lot cheaper, like during the day and stuff. And we saved our kind of more expensive stuff for the evenings, have a bit more of a night out and things. But yeah, yeah but he's been doing this for a long time. Yeah, well, obviously, they are very established, like coaches. Mike, obviously, is one of the best in the industry, like Mike and Dan, obviously, two of the better, two of the good guys in the industry. and yeah, they've obviously worked hard over a number of years and got a, a decent client base to be able to obviously do that. It's the same as everything, isn't it? That people see even diet, even in nutri- everything, nutrition, coaching, money, everything. They just see maybe not the finished article, but they just see a person where they are now. They haven't seen what they've done. It's like, oh yeah, it's it's like, oh, it's easy for you. You're shredded. Yeah, but you could have been turning stone fat bastard five years ago. It, but it, always, I like, guess, yeah. or whatever. People, no. And it's like funny, isn't it? Oh yeah, he's a he's a millionaire. He's lucky. He's rich. I said, yeah, but he's the guy who built the business from nothing. That's why it irritates me because you know, we, people don't need billionaires. Well, well, if they want to, if that's what they want to do, even crack on because billionaires will work harder than anyone that's complaining about them. Hmm. Uh, th- th- this is this reminds me of a conversation I had only I want to say yesterday, but it could have been a day before because my lack of not or my, my perception of time is shit. Um, with Gordon Greenhorn, another friend of the show, um, where he, Gordon's being, um, he's one of the good guys in the industry, absolutely, and very transparent. Hopefully, if people have gone back and listened to the episode, or if you haven't gone back, 
sorry, if you haven't listened to it, so go back and listen to it, but you'll get the impression, obviously, that he is definitely one of the good guys in the industry. And what he's done is, obviously, his his day job is very much a in-person PT in a gym. Uh, he's now, obviously, not in-person in a gym PT because, because of the lockdown restrictions. What he's done the last couple of days is actually offered out some of his time to help people so pts or basically clients or pts industry so pts if they want support in kind of you know generating the business or generating new clients or anything that they might obviously want some help with and for clients obviously or for people if they want to ask questions or any support on the nutritional training front you might think well obviously that's you know that's that's great he's doing that but the reason he's doing that is because he's sick of the whole i suppose people taking advantage of other people um in either, or suppose, or suppose in either, probably more like the the kind of the, the six figure fit, fit pro like sales mentors, business mentors, the fucking people out there that have never, never even built really a business themselves, but all of a sudden they become a business mentor. And there's so many of them out there, aren't there? That saying obviously if you you know you pay my pay me three grand and I'll you know get you lead generation and tons of clients, you'll be earning six figures, you know, a month almost. And you're like, mm, okay. And he's just like sick of it. So he's like, actually, I just like, I've got time now. I'm honest about it. Like I'm now not working in thingy, in, in person at gym. If anyone wants half an hour with me, book in and speak to me and I'll tell you how I've done it. And the reason I brought this conversation up is because he's been in the industry for like over a decade. Like he's he's built up his own kind of reputation and his own knowledge and all this stuff. And he's legitimately in a place where he can help people and obviously give them experience of, of his and help them. And not feel like actually, you know, he's being one of these wanky salesmen or wanky salesmen. Because obviously he's not even selling anything. You know, it's not like he's saying, no, come sign up for my course because he hasn't got one. He's just obviously just trying to help people. And for me, it's like, it doesn't always, there are people that have been in the industry five minutes trying to do that sort of stuff. And then there's people in the industry that have been here 10 years that are almost like, I feel shit doing that. And I don't feel like I can tell people how to help them when actually they genuinely do have the experience and value and should be the ones out there trying to help people. And it doesn't it obviously it kind of goes along with what we set up with with Mike and obviously people just don't see all of that sometimes you know the experience and all the work they put in over a decade but it's, it's almost like it's almost the same in every category of life everywhere you go there's someone who's been doing it two minutes who thinks they know everything just like during this little pandemic going through people think that they know more than a 40 year virologist who who knows viruses inside out that they think they know more because they've watched the planned the pandemic video and been suckered in and listened to the bullshit it's the same as the the person who's done keto who's, who's lost weight whatever and then preaches that to everybody else it's the best it's that i know i know it all no you know that all you've done it once you don't know nothing about why how it works you cannot teach others and it's the same. The people who know what they're doing are never, ever, ever on the extremes of anything. They're always sensible in the middle. So straight off the bat, anything to do with nutrition, training, money, life. If anyone's extreme in any fashion of an opinion about whatever, they're probably not the person to listen to. I always find that if they're absolutist, like basically if someone's saying, it's my way, this is the absolute, this works, this doesn't, probably means that they're wrong it's a really good indicator if someone will say like if you ask someone a question and a, re- a real expert will most likely go well it depends that will be the first the, their first start of their response because no one will come out and say no no this 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 is the answer because generally most you know ex- real experts know that it's far more complicated and there aren't any real kind of definitive absolutes in in nutrition or biology or, or lots of things it's the same with covid like people that are experts in in this, they all say, "Well, we think this, or we might that we assume that, or we think this might happen." They won't be out there saying, "We know X." Well, they might say, "We know," because obviously there are certain things they will know, but they won't know everything. They'll certainly be there's some context around what they do and don't know, and kind of kind of let you know which is opinion and which is the bits that they've, we've figured out yet. Rather than your fucking YouTube video saying, "Yep, yeah, vitamin D is the cure of everything." All you got to do is take vitamin D, and your immune system is spanking, and it will just protect you from everything. Mm, okay not sure that's entirely true the question johnny so obviously this has been linked enough times low vitamin d levels and higher rates of covid but i kind of think like certainly in the uk when they're saying like oh yeah well what we, what we found is there 
80% of cases that have suffered from COVID all had low vitamin D. It's like, yeah, but what if everyone has low vitamin D and then, or like 80% of everyone has low vitamin D, so therefore 80% of people with COVID also have low vitamin D. doesn't mean low vitamin D causes COVID or, or doesn't protect you from COVID or makes you more susceptible to COVID. Correlation doesn't equal causation, as they yeah. say. Now, I'm, oh, oh, sorry, mate. All I was going to say is I can't say I'm an expert in the literature on vitamin D and COVID-19, which I know a lot has come out over the past few months because of obviously the links and the, the, the research they're trying to put into it. So someone might, there might legitimately be some rationales to, yes, vitamin D is protective or helping immune functional stuff because we know obviously vitamin D does do a lot of stuff. But I, I keep every whenever time I hear that, all I can't I can't keep thinking to myself exactly what you were saying. Like, yeah, but causation isn't correlation isn't causation. As in, maybe everyone because we know like eighty percent of the population in the UK probably are vitamin D deficient. So, of course, those that you find out get COVID, eighty percent of them are probably going to be vitamin D deficient because they were anyway. Yeah, exactly. They, well, they couldn't even compare. Not maybe well, you wouldn't even bother. Well, like you are, let's take the the same the ten thousand people in California who've got COVID, and I look at their vitamin D levels. It's probably going to be higher. And you say, well, actually, only two percent have got low vitamin D have got COVID. So it's like a totally different. It's totally opposite. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you don't. It's just we live in the UK with not much sun. So the chances of a random person on the street, who by the way generally knows jack shit about nutrition and health in general. Are they going to have high vitamin D levels? I doubt it. Unless it's, unless maybe they're a builder who spends 95% of the time outside. You know what I mean? So the, the, I go to California when it's sunny all the time, the chances of you picking up someone who's, who's got enough vitamin D is probably quite high. Yeah, yeah, a lot higher, no doubt. So, But anyway, I just thought it was just an interesting comment to make because just purely every time i hear that comment around vitamin d association with like increased susceptibility to covid i'm a bit like yeah but i really want to know is is it correlation or is it is there any causational type of evidence there which having not looked at it for a while there might actually be because i've kind of just got bored of covid if i'm honest and i've stopped looking at a lot of the research and stuff that's coming out because i'm just sick of hearing about it i've just got fatigue in the whole area yeah i'm just um bored of it i'm just bored of the i don't mind science saying and changing like we we thought this it's wrong we know this we know this i'm just sick of the ineptitude of the government and then like the way they perceive or the way they use the data what it seems wrong it's like you can go from oh masks don't do anything to masks they'll mean out a lockdown Mask were a thing. Now they are a thing. But cases are going up. So in that case, then, masks seems like they don't do anything. But then they went into lockdown because the case is going up. Because they test them more. Like, it, it don't make sense. You can't say, oh, we test him. It just doesn't work. It's just, I just, it's just stupid. Like, my, the lies of school have said, when you're outside, coming to school, you've got to wear a mask. I'm like, fucking no chance. Why am I wearing a mask outside when we are two metres apart and the kids go in school literally in those pockets? So to me, it makes no sense. So I'm like, nah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would still wear the mask personally just because of like, it's not really exactly a hardship to do so. So just do it really. Although I, I get that this is half the problem with people's earning people's trust to then conform to certain requests around kind of welfare and, and kind of health and safety or, or the health and safety of obviously larger populations. If, if people don't see the logic in it, then inevitably people will rebel and not do it. That's kind of what happens. And, that's, and, and this has been the problem all the way along with a lot of the UK pandemic response in just mixed messaging and just kind of not enough detail or understanding or clarity on certain stuff. And then everyone's just like, I don't get it. So you're telling me that my kid can go to school and mix with 40 other kids and, you know, four teachers, but they can't see my, like my mum or my grandparents, their grandparents, that type of thing. And obviously it's like people just don't get the logic there and in, in as to why certain decisions have been made. So it does just cause people to go, I just don't trust anyone, therefore I'm just not gonna do it. That is a problem. Mm. It is a problem. It reminded me of 
people love keto. <laughs> I, I just get, sim- I get this impression, Jonathan, that you don't like keto. Or any specific diet, because they like to cherry-pick data to suit what they want to do. I'll tell you what diet I do like. I like the uh, pizza and cereal diet, which is basically my diet today. But then I I also carb load, carb, carb load effectively on a on a running day because today was my my endurance my my health running day. I call it health running day. It's basically I I run just for a bit of cardiovascular fitness and heart health. So yes, I do I do have a lot of pizza. I usually have pizza afterwards. You should argue I should have it beforehand. Um, but I do eat a lot of cereal and a lot of oats. Have your I find a food logger. I have oats in the morning. So get them in early, and then I have I have two two full, full bagels today. Say no to bagel fins. Hashtag say no to bagel fins. I'm going to start that movement, uh, and then so and then obviously other stuff with lunch. I actually had some vegetables and things because you know hashtag health. Uh, what else did I have? Two bananas. I had a hundred grams of uh, cocoa pops in chocolate whey, which kind of goes against my kind of anti fitness food type thing because you know i i am very much don't put whey in your oats because you're just gonna fucking ruin it just have a whey shake on the side and eat your oats normal because like they're better apart don't ruin it by putting them together and i'm a bit like that with fake protein food like protein pancakes and shit it's like they're not even worth eating don't do it um so i have kind of contributed myself slightly by having whey in my cereal because that would really be like well actually why don't you just have cereal and have a whey shake on the side which i probably should do but the way i've got is actually quite tasty decadent chocolate from um it's called the way from my protein it's quite nice so it does go quite well chocolate like i and i what i make sure i do do i said do do is uh make it quite thin so it's because obviously if not i always find like thicker shake in a in cereals a bit yeah mm, i wouldn't mind that see thick thick way in zero no I, I, don't, I don't know what it is i just prefer my cereal to be Thin. I don't know, thinner. I just, I just like the, I like it to be liquid with it rather than like a thicker shake. I just, just something about that. I know, I know what you're saying. I'm. Uh... And it has to be cold. Yeah, I'm warm cereal. Well, as in, yeah, but the problem is if you make like a protein shake out of like tap water, say, or oh yeah, you know, and then you shake it. The, the kind of the shaking also, I suppose, it moves molecules around and creates some heat. So. By the time you then pour it on your cereal, it's obviously a bit not lukewarm, but it's obviously not cold, cold. But I much prefer to make it, leave it in the fridge for five minutes so it stays nice and cold, and then have a nice ice cold cereal or ice cold like liquid on cereal. Lovely old job. It does sound nice, especially with cocoa pops. It is, it is. So the cocoa pops like make it double chocolate because you've got chocolate and the cocoa pops and chocolate whey, so it's like really chocolatey. And um, yeah. I'm not uh, having any of that anymore. No. Let's let's explore that. So, Jonathan, this is a nutrition podcast. Um, talk to me about your nutrition. The um, the person I'm talking to, listeners, which is Mr. Brett, has ruined my life by giving me a, a bit of a, a a rather harsh deficit to start my diet into the wedding, which is in May. May the flight on May the fifth. So I, I think it's day after Star Wars Day. Twenty what Star day Wars? Out, yeah, day after Star Wars Day, isn't it? Yeah. May the fourth. <laughs> May the fourth be with you. Nice. <laughs> I think it's twenty-three weeks. I think, ish. Yeah. 20, 20, between twenty-two and twenty-four weeks is about that anyway. Yeah. It's quite. I mean, it's quite a long diet, and I guess we can explain why. In you've been kind of massing or bulk in the last because I am I am I've been probably in, in a surplus since March yeah probably with a lockdown I would say yeah so Long, obviously you, yeah so you're obviously coming out of a reasonable time of gaining weight and therefore obviously now you're you're kind of anticipating you want to be in really good shape for you, your mm. wedding which, you know which is yeah. understandable um and yeah the time the time scales itself i think is one of those things where we've talked a lot of times around everybody and i mean almost everybody when i say everybody almost everybody has probably more weight than they think and needs more time to diet than they think i think unless you've been unless you've previously been where you want to get back to then you don't know what weight 
because obviously you don't know, and then then you know what weight you were. So you, at least you've got an idea. Got right? a benchmark, yeah. Yeah, I know of before I was this. Like I know before I was in decent shape for your average jaw then at 12 stone, four, five. So I know that was six years ago. So if, if I've gained, you know, half, maybe six pound in six years, I hope. So if I can get, say, roughly maybe late 12 stones, I know in that area roughly is the condition I yeah. want to be in at least. Sorry to interrupt this episode, but we just wanted to let you know that we're currently accepting applications to work with any of our coaches to help you lose weight and get shredded or build muscle and get jacked. If you want to know more, just head over to nnncoaching.com forward slash apply. No contract lengths, just evidence-based coaching to make sure you get the results you've always been after. Sorry, so, I was talking over you. Sorry, go on. So that's this call is for the 13 just to make it a bit easier. So I'm now 16.7. A bit less now, actually. I lost four pounds in two days, three days. Which we'll so, get on to in a minute. <laughs> yeah, 16.7. So what's that? Three and a half stone. And the chances are um, we, we're going to go aggressive to start to try and lose as much body fat as possible quickly so hopefully we can get to the 13 stone mark faster and either go actually we've got enough time to go lower and get it and get in better condition or think right this condition i'm happy with and we can eat into the holiday because obviously bear in mind it's a two-week on inclusive holiday so going from a lot of diet a long-term diet well, then your body is, I don't know, fairly fairly slow metabolically. Everything is adapted because you've been dying for a long time. To go straight into an all-inclusive, and if I am a different five days for the wedding, I'd probably gain a stone. So then you go from looking good to looking, probably still look tidy compared to the most people. Yeah, let, 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 let's explore that a bit because I think that's probably an interesting point where people might be thinking, what do you mean? As in, like, you, you've created this metabolic adaptation or I guess a lot of people might be thinking like starvation mode where you'll gain weight on like no calories obviously that's not what we're saying is it I suppose what we're really saying is there'll be a a level of metabolic adaptation where when you diet for long periods of time your metabolic rate does reduce and it does adapt because obviously it wants to preserve mass it doesn't want you to basically basically fucking starve to death which is not not the same as starvation mode and it's certainly not something that's permanent Um, I think a lot of that is more around the bit you, you didn't really mention, which was kind of like your psychological and environment, uh, ho- psychological, hormonal, and the environment side. So, having dieted for potentially like 23, 24 weeks straight, you're mo- most likely to be in a prime position to be very food focused, very uh, well, obviously, that met- metabolic adaptation to, to some degree, um, and prime to gain weight effectively. So throwing yourself in the environment that is probably the worst for someone in that position, aka on holiday when you're feeling good, you're feeling happy, you're relieved because the diet's ended, and off you go, son. Just go go step in that all-you-can-eat buffet. It's kind of like, yeah, that's probably going to end pretty poorly. And there was also some elements as well, I suppose, that in terms of when you've dieted for that amount of time and you're depleted and you're kind of your body is adapted to a certain levels of, of substrates like carbohydrates, etc., and low sodium levels and stuff you will start to see some really funky kind of like changes with body water and kind of water retention, that sort of stuff as well. So I've seen it and you kind of said it then, like I've seen it, I've seen it myself. I've seen it with clients where they've gone away after dieting for say a holiday, feeling in really good condition and feeling really happy and proud of themselves. And within half a day, they feel like their entire progress is ruined. And it isn't because they put on the, 20 pounds of body fat say that they may have lost in that long diet up to holiday it's because of things like fucked up hormones and and water retention and just stuff like that because their diet has suddenly gone from one extreme to almost another because they've just gone on holiday and smashed all you can eat buffet foods so yeah, I, but... I, I just thought that was worthwhile pointing out just purely because i think people might not understand what you mean by by kind of putting on that stone that first week yeah. and then you think right now i'm <clears throat> say about 16, 7. So <clears throat> you're obviously going to burn 
more calories at rest because you're bigger. So there's more of you to keep alive just to start with. So if, if you're going to lose three to four stone, then you're obviously lighter. So there's again, there's less of you to keep alive. So you obviously burn less calories at rest. You burn less calories to anything, basically. Exercise, everything, everything adapts. So you don't you can go to an all inclusive buffet and you can well for breakfast you can go right scrambled egg you don't know how much butter's in there you don't know how much milk is in there so again you guess you could you of course you can use boiled eggs boiled eggs and boiled egg but you can't always even guess even in the ballpark of some of the stuff they've got you go right I'll have this isn't this and you could be eating like fifteen hundred calories when most people aren't even going to want to track though are they either and most most people aren't going to want to track or no yeah most people can't track most people aren't going to want to track no. as, it, as in like i say you're on holiday you're you've you're finished your diet you're relieved the last thing you want to do now is think right i need to go in and, and restrict myself even more still that that just doesn't happen in reality because the psychology of of how and why we eat just stops people doing that which is even worse because if you don't want to track and you're not and you're not tracking then that's where you see humongous it's especially if you've got to the condition where you're probably single digit body fat you're going to just obviously a, a stone of water on that is going to be a big difference yeah and it's going to physically it's going to look big a lot of difference isn't it it's going to be like physically into the look and that's why I, I, that comment i made around where i see people feel like they've ruined their progress in half a day or a day of being on holiday like almost you feel like you step off the plane because they've eaten plain food and you know breakfast at the airport and all these sort of things and they get off the other end and they feel like oh I was in like decent nick before I went. I came over here, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh. But a lot of that is, like you say, the amount of body water on someone that's already very lean can make a huge look or a huge dramatic difference in how they look. I think for your, for your average Joe then, who who at <clears throat> and I, if someone gets a single digit body fat as a as a natural, you, you, they're going to be light and small as well. I mean, from what I've seen of people, if you if you're a lot bigger, you can almost get away with that stone of water because you still look big and muscular and it doesn't really make that much. But if you're like lead and stone, you gain a stone of water, you're going to look like shit compared to the day before, not the day, the few days before. Well, but it also does show that if your, depends on your goals, I mean, if, if your goals are to get bigger, long-term gain more muscle it does show that you should shouldn't get too fat like i have i blame lockdown but you know i could have done it better but whatever so it does show that if you've got a long-term mindset then then you never <clears throat> you shouldn't really go well you definitely don't go stones above what condition you want to be in i mean if you want a stone above okay that's all right 14 pounds above so, i mean you, you should never really go hugely over and above the condition you'd like to be in at best. So then it so your habits, that's when habits of around training, dieting, all that sort of stuff it needs to be with you all year round, not just I'm gonna change this for a diet, I'm gonna change everything for a diet and then just go not do a total reverse but <clears throat> it is yo yoing. For yeah. a lot, for a lot, for a lot of people, it is extreme yo-yo in that they are losing significant amounts of weight, going on big diets and cuts, and making dramatic transformations, and then going on dreamer bulks afterwards, thinking, right, rub the hands together, time now to to kind of get into that bulking phase, and then they, you know, I'm going to embrace this, and they do put on too much weight. Yeah, there is a, I don't know, there is a, I think Mike Israel says it. He, he says, right, you may as well make the most of. He's not going like extreme, like it's unnecessarily. In that unnecessary stupid amount of calories, but it's harder to gain muscle, so you you're almost better going to a bit more of a deficit, gaining a bit more fat just to maximise muscle growth because it's easier to diet off. Do you mean you mean going in more of a surplus? You said yeah, def- so you said is, Yeah, but it's not. You shouldn't be stupid if if you're like twelve stone, you don't go eating five thousand calories after because you're going to get fat very fast. He, he, so, he said that recently, hasn't he? He's, he's admitted that he's got loose skin and, and kind of like 
I know he's assisted, so the kind of the water comment is different for someone that obviously uses um, assistance. Uh, but he also said that he does somehow seem to hold extreme amounts of, of body water as well. So even being very lean, he can look like he's like not anywhere near as lean as, as in reality is because of things like loose skin and obviously this body water that he, he seems to hold. So he's he said like the loose skin comes from getting overly fat. Hence, he's kind of changed his views and opinions on how fat someone should get or allow themselves to get during any type of massing or bulking phases. Like, for, obviously, for bodybuilders, and they probably shouldn't be more than ten pound off. Well, I say ten pound because I think people are not aware that a twelve-week diet for a bodybuilder they start in at ten percent body fat. It's not like a normal human who starts at like twenty-five that they start in at ten. So people, people are like, what are you dieting for at ten percent? Because you are. You're not shredded, but to, yeah, for the general population, you are shredded. You're not, but you know. I don't know what my point was. That I just don't. Really, you just forget what you say. <laughs> no, I think I think we were basically talking about that point about like basically not getting too yeah. far over how you like. Look, my, my opinion. So if I chip in on that, my opinion is kind of more. It's obviously going to be very individual in terms of how much I don't think I would put on kind of any numbers in terms of how overly fat you should or how fat you should get over kind of like a, your ideal condition. I, I actually don't see too much of a problem with people getting heavier as in putting on a reasonable amount of body fat. And in fact, I think for some occasions it is probably necessary because of the points you made around how difficult it is to build muscle mass. But I think if that happens, it has to happen in a slow period of time. Um, I think the the problem for me, and I've said it before on the podcast, and I think it's something that I've found out from personal experience and, and just generally experience of working with, with more people for longer periods of time and stuff. The size of surplus and how fat someone gets is less of an issue or less of a a factor in terms of how much muscle I think they gain for me. And I think it's more a case of how long can someone stay out of a deficit for? Now, obviously, they do intertwine or coincide the, the dynamic. That it's not like they're completely separate, because obviously, the fatter you get and the faster you gain weight, the quicker you have to go back into a deficit, because obviously you're gaining weight too fast. So they obviously do intertwine in the same way as calories in, calories out is, affects each other. So I think it's obviously something you still have to consider. But it's kind of like okay, well, having a slower rate of gain, even if you end up at the same level of fatness at the end. As, as opposed to, you know, like a faster rate of gain, um, just means that you have spent longer in a surplus or not at least not in a deficit, which is a kind of probably more prominent rather than being in a surplus, probably just not being in a deficit really, will probably result in better gains. And I think I've tried to say this and not explain it very well on the podcast before, but that's my opinion. So I think like actually it's okay probably to get overly fat and for some people it will be uh, required, but just don't do it in that dreamer bulk fashion where, which I've done before where I've gone like I've dieted. I think I think a few years ago I dieted down for Christmas and lost the best part of like 25 pounds or something. Dieted down for Christmas and got, you know, probably around the 10% mark in terms of leanness um, for me, which is pretty lean. Like I, I don't think you've, it's that frequent many people get below 10% even if they think they are I think 10% is quite lean and I think like when they see bodybuilders on stage they don't realise quite how lean that is um, anyway by the by and uh, I remember obviously that then coincided with a Christmas period where I must have I went right bulk time now and I did exactly what I explained a minute ago just went all in and just basically stopped worrying about what I was eating trying to almost overly force fed stuff and was probably consuming 4,000 calories plus every single day mince pies every day and just you know like multiple mince pies every day and just whatever you know and um i found myself kind of getting you know those 25 pounds back very very fast within a you know four or five weeks and i'm like hmm now i need to diet again now so i probably dieted for 16 weeks and then bulked for five weeks and then had to diet again for another 16 weeks and then bulk for four weeks. And it's kind of like, that's the sort of cycle you don't want to get into, which is kind of what I said about yo-yoing. You don't want to get into a cycle where you're dieting for way longer than you are bulking. Because you could still have that same process of losing 25 pounds, gaining 25 pounds. But if you're losing with 25 pounds was in 16 weeks and your gaining was in 42 weeks, you'd get far better outcomes. 100%. Yeah, because five weeks, five weeks of bulking is not enough, is it? To, no. to, to accrue any sort of... No, any, any absolutely sort of not. So you end up you end up probably being technically fatter 
because you're probably not getting a massive. You might even risk losing it. Yeah, there is a there is a genuine risk of that. The positive side of how much muscle you can gain in those five weeks during that air quotes bulking period compared to any potential muscle loss, which you know isn't huge. Don't get me wrong. I, certainly, I take my example. I'm not lean enough to worry too much about. Or I wasn't lean enough to to worry about that too much. I was consuming really high protein, still training, albeit training at that point probably wasn't amazing in terms of quality. But still, you know, I, there, there isn't a huge risk. What I will say is if you then take that example from me away and replace it with your average Slimming World type scenario or Weight Watchers type scenario where someone is kind of extreme, losing extreme amounts of weight fast and then binging in, you know, between periods of joining clubs and then having to go back to a club again afterwards they are at risk at losing more muscle and kind of go on this, this yo-yo cycle of where they're losing muscle every time they diet. And then when they gain weight, it's fat coming back, not muscle. They're not gaining that muscle back. They're gaining fat back. So their kind of body composition is getting worse over time because of that period. So that is something that is a consideration that people should worry about. Which is why it makes it even more irrelevant of why they just weigh once a week and just only focus on the scale. Because it's like, that scale could tell you, yeah, you're 30 pounds lighter, but you were just as fat as when you started. It's, unli- you... it's unlikely, but your point Yeah, is yeah, you know what I mean, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. look the same, just smaller. It's like, well. I mean, so, so, so all I was going to say certainly is, is in your example there about, you know, you're losing 30 pounds, you, you look the same. You're not going to. You, if you've lost 30 pounds, you're going to lose a, a significant amount of body fat as well. But if you lost 30 pounds and then put 30 pounds on and lost 30 pounds, look 30 pounds on, those cycles, when if you measure the same weight during those cycles, you might look worse during cycle to cycle because actually, even though you're weighing the same at those points in those cycles, your body composition is probably going to be worse because you might have lost muscle and, and obviously you had more body fat. Those type of clubs will end up will have women scared to eat and never really get to where they want to be because no, nobody wants, I don't think anybody wants to be just smaller. They want to be in good shape, which obviously means going to the gym eating a decent amount of protein and at some point trying to accrue a certain level of muscle, even for females, because they will look better, which they do. Mm. Women who lift look better than runners who don't, in my opinion. Not that my the, matters. Say, Johnny, let's not, let's not get into the diet culture realm here. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's, maybe that is diet culture actually, and maybe even though I jest a bit, there's some there is an element of truth there. But I mean, obviously, a lot of people do feel that way that you know, certain ideal body types would contain more muscle mass than than not, as in you know that that idea, cultural ideal of a of a long distance runner compared to a CrossFit athlete. Most people would say that the CrossFit athlete has a a better, better physique and more attractive, <laughs> better physique or more attractive potentially. Um, you know, you know, we're not here to kind of, I suppose, I put ideals onto body because we don't want to add to diet culture. But in the same breath, there are people that obviously genuinely feel that way. So, um, it's not really negative. I want a bit more muscle on you, is it? Well, if we, I mean, obviously, if we take in terms of aesthetics and physique out of it and look at it more from a purely a health perspective, which, you know, we do try to do the majority of the time. When we're basing a lot of these these comments, they are based on the fact that having more muscle mass is better for your health, to a point, obviously, but it is generally better for your, for your health. Um, because of the, you know, in, in, the, having less muscle mass and, and having higher body fats obviously increases rates of loads of diseases, metabolic disease, um, cardiovascular issues, um, or my my. I know what you're trying to say, but I'm not trying to say either. Why have I lost it? I just lost it. Completely blanked on my mind now. Myocardial infarction, or have I just completely butchered that? That's the one. Anyway, um, <laughs> there are obviously lots of associations with lower muscle mass to th- those types of things. In elderly, obviously, you then got increased risk of sarcopenia, risk of falling and hurting yourself and never recovering and dying. So, there, when we say obviously it's you know it's better to have more muscle mass, they're the things that we really want to highlight and say that's why you should worry about it, not because you want to look jacked or look better. Uh, I mean, they are that is just the confidence that comes with that and fe- people's feelings is obviously a positive, but I would say the health aspects of it are way more important and that people should consider the fact that 
bodybuilding or some resistance exercise is not about looking better necessarily that's just a byproduct and you know the extra confidence comes out is a, just a benefit it's about the fact that you should live a better and higher quality of life and for longer hopefully yeah 100% and more people should wait to train in some fashion whether it's in a class like CrossFit because it's a community or in the gym or whatever mm. just what, what, do some exercise absolutely and this is what I mean like what I like is no, what I like to say really, and I read and I heard this post from someone or read this post, I think it was a, it wasn't a audio post, it was obviously in terms of video, it was actually someone written. But they wrote something along the lines of always recommend basically almost what we said there, like weight training is what we would say is like an optimal form of exercise for the most part. Um however, not everyone's ready to do that right now. So just do whatever exercise you enjoy. And obviously at some point if you feel like trying weight training, I would encourage it. But doing anything is better than nothing and i kind of uh, i'm I align with that if people aren't ready to weight train yet because many people aren't because they just don't like the idea then dip your toe in walking or running or a sport or classes or whatever and at some point in the future hopefully you will be ready to then go into move into to maybe try some weight training stuff because resistance training in any form is incredibly good for your health i think people get a bit scared of people oh, i'm gonna go to gym and everybody's gonna look at me like nobody cares at all nobody cares Nobody looks, nobody gives a shit. No. Because they're twice themselves, looking in the mirror, looking at the guns. It's, 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 like, it's like when you've got a massive spot, you're like, I am 37 years of age, why have I got a massive spot? Like, where's that come from? And you're really conscious about it. But in reality, no one gives a fuck. You're the only one bothered. Like, no one's looking at you thinking, oh, he's got a massive spot. Everyone's just like, whatever. You know, I probably barely even notice it. There is something to say for not giving a fuck about what anybody says or thinks. Ever, I agree. I know you that you should. You do need to. You do need to care what people say at some point because it can help because it can benefit you. But most of us, everyone, I would say, is is worried in some degree of what other people think. Otherwise, you wouldn't see people hold back in 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 life as they do in any area. You know what I mean. I've I've gone through my life sometimes saying like basically I genuinely don't give a shit what people think and for the most part that's true I think and I don't even know if I still actually believe that or not myself now having gotten older and you know I've got different experiences or philosophies and stuff but I do I kind of you know jump back and forth thinking maybe there is an element of truth to that but I've always caveat it with like I don't give a shit what anyone thinks unless I have a reason to in terms of, you know, I have some sort of form of investment in that person. So like, mm. obviously you give a shit what your family think, your friends, your close friends, you, you know, you have to give a shit about things like what your boss might think and that type of stuff. Cause mm. there's a, there's an element of investment there, but for the most part, everyone else should be like, actually, I don't really need to care what you think because like as, in all due respect and, and kind of meaning this in a polite way, I I have no you know you're not I'm, I'm not invested in you you're not invested in me so actually like whatever as long as I'm happy or I I, I don't really give a fuck it's that type of mentality and like yeah. I said I don't I don't know if I definitely still believe that now but but but, but it's like it's like you know if we talk about a subject and someone complains about it I don't care because I don't know them and if they and if I if I was coaching them or whatever, and they knew me, and I consider it, but when I don't, I'm like, if you don't like it, don't listen. Simple. No, the, like, unless I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know. I don't. I don't think that makes you a bastard though. By by being that way, I no. don't. I don't think it is. I genuinely don't. I'm, because I'm being nasty to someone for the sake of being horrible to someone, but if I got a, an opinion that's not like racist or something like that, then it's like it's my opinion. It doesn't make it correct. <laughs> It might, it might, I, th- I think it might be right, but it doesn't mean it is. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I, I think everybody should have a plant-based diet. doesn't mean I'm correct. Well, you are. Well, yeah. Plant-based, you know, not plant-exclusive. Plant not to be confused with vegan, which people do all the time. Actually, I just, was it uh, Spencer Nadalski? Was it him? No. Another guy for another doctor, Z-Pak, his name is. A bit controversial but obviously in the right way. And he talked about he talked about diet and religion. He said, why has everybody got a religion? Stop the religion about dieting, because all diets <clears throat> have a place in, in some aspect. 
What's what I wrote on it? Uh, everyone should be plant-based. He can reverse... What did she say? He can reverse atherosclerosis, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, no, when you've got atherosclerosis, you can't reverse it. You can stop it getting aggressively worse, and you can stop yourself having heart attacks by healthy eating, training, blah, 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 blah. And she went, oh, yeah, nobody should eat meat. I said, well, but that's not plant-based. Plant-based is mostly plants with some meat now and again. Yeah. It's like, take away your bias and just go, right, everyone probably should be plant-based. But it's not generally... Not something that's not practical, but it's just not going to happen. Everybody probably should be, but it's not going to happen. We um we hijacked the update on kind of your plan for your nutrition uh, oh, yeah. by going yeah. off on many tangents, um, <laughs> and we're at fifty five minutes. So <laughs> yeah. I suggest we probably park that and come revisit it in you know maybe a brief update in the next episode. Okay, I think I I I like podcasting. In this fashion, let's, let's hope other people do. Yeah, a conversation about this because it is relevant, isn't it? Whether people enjoy it or not. I, I hope I, so. I, I hope people can relate in that they they kind of understand that you know, albeit we are coaches qualified in the area, you know, <laughs> ten years plus experience between the two of us, um, we are still very much normal people trying to implement what is important and not worry or focus too much on things that aren't really important which is hopefully then taking away some of the kind of the the confusion or the the kind of stuff out there the crap out there that people often just get stuck on and lose their will uh, and you know generally then start just don't see any results and obviously hearing us talk through our own experiences and our experience of our clients hopefully they can relate to and think actually you know what just some normal blokes that are going through or maybe a bit further down the line in terms of their journey but going through the same sort of stuff that i'm going to do and trying to figure out myself so hopefully hearing us talk about it just helps them. I hope, anyway. I'd love not to ever attempt to sell coaching ever again. People go, right, this is what I want. Johnny, we, go, we don't attempt to really sell it now, let's be honest. Like, what yep. we, don't, we don't really market. We don't do anything. We just put out some content like this and just hope people it resonates and they reach out for help. That's it. That's why I'd rather do it, but it doesn't, tend, doesn't generally speaking work like that generally. But... Because of the because of the way the industry is as a whole and how full of shit it is and how full of shit ninety five percent of the people are, you have to you know, I say that is you need to try and do something, whether it's traditional marketing or you could even market this podcast if you had a certain probably could market the podcast and, and go that way, which I'd probably rather do. Because don't know posting on Facebook about blah blah blah. Not by this plan, but you know whatever it's like oh god why well, just people oh, this is what we need right we can do this like i'd rather it'd be great to be employed to go right we've got a big company there's five thousand people here they all want help do presentations make them post in those other place make some documents help them through each one on one now and again that'd be great i don't ask you don't ask a lot no no, the, the problem is the industry is very competitive and there is a lot of shit out there that people fall for. And people, uh, I think, shout out to Charlotte Fisher for, I don't know if she coined this term or not, but I think she was kind of starting to promote what she was referring to as ethical coaching. Um, and I think that that obviously is a big banner and there's obviously certain or very, a lot of nuance around what that means. But I think like a lot of the stuff we talk around in that, you know, not, not, not kind of promoting extremes like diets or circumstances, meal plans, things that you're not going to work. Provide proper coaching that actually gives a shit about the client. That is what you would all fall under, like ethical coaching for me. And obviously, there is a certain element of that. A lot of people move away from that because it is just really hard to sell. Like it's really hard to sell the boring, bland behavior change type stuff that is required to get real, true success with clients. Because people don't want that people want a magic fucking pill or a special do this five weird special trick type thing um because that, that they want instant results so it is quite difficult to sell the, the type of coaching that we do and it is it obviously with all the competition it just makes it you know hard for practitioners to stay in the industry that have good ethics mm. but anyway that's why like um it's going to be brief like corporate things because you're in control because you know, that you're coming to the 
come into this company and do a presentation on whatever, nutrition, you're in absolute control of what you tell them. And then you can, you don't have to sell, you can, you can sell it as such so they can do it the right way and understand that. I think that's the way you get to a lot of people in it. Like if it's, I'll say that, big, big, big corporation or 500 people in a room, but if you're 200 people in a room, you're in 200 people at once. Even if 10% of them go, actually, yeah, right, that's pretty good, that's 20 people who then tell 20 people, oh, how did you do that then? Oh, I did this because we've seen these two guys at work doing this, isn't this? Yeah. Well, th- th- obviously, that's another whole like conversational piece and another topic on its own, really, that type of stuff. And obviously, we've done a reasonable amount of like corporate events where we've done corporate well-being talks and nutrition talks and i do think they're really valuable um but obviously it is difficult to have a real huge impact in that type of environment or that uh method but yeah um let's wrap it up there my man let's uh so pe- people like this please reach out and let us know um like johnny said we enjoy this type of kind of format that we've been trying to do in terms of a bit more conversational and just kind of talk through some of our experiences and, and just part a little bit of knowledge and wisdom that way so hopefully you all do um please like review subscribe all of that stuff uh buy your cheese i keep getting called out for being a you know like some sort of religious cheese guru uh but it is what it is i i like the stuff so please if it helps you helps your diet helps increase the protein content of your diets go out and buy it and get yourself a little 10 percent off at the same time it, it's not something it's actual yeah. genuine food it's just food you know it isn't yeah you know, like john said it's not we're not we're not peddling a supplement with and it's something that we genuinely believe and support so uh do that um that's it i think so uh let's say au revoir bye bye bonjour and good night See you in a bit. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.